this morning, I, um, a lot of times I preach more from a headspace. This may not mean anything to you, it does to me. Uh, I preach from kind of a headspace this morning in different parts. I'm, I'm going to be preaching more from a heart space. I, I kind of feel this sermon maybe more than most. What that means uh, for, for me is that I need to stay a little bit more in, in my notes. Um, so, and the reason for that is if I'm preaching out of my headspace, I have a tendency to go about five minutes long, or Matt would tell you 25 minutes long. Um, but if, if I'm preaching from that place where you feel it, I might preach till Tuesday if I don't stay a little bit more in my notes. And so you'll allow me that grace, I hope, so that you can have dinner uh, when we're done. Father, I ask you to send your spirit into our lives, into our homes, and into this church to produce fruit in us so that your will may be done. Church, I want to ask that we all read together Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things is no law. Last week we began a nine-week series called The Nine, which is going to challenge all of us to focus on a different fruit of the Holy Spirit that's produced in our lives every week. Uh, Last week we talked about uh, the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit dwells within us, helps us pray, gives us the words to know what to say to others, gives us gifts for serving in the church, and produces character and virtue in us. And it's these characteristics and virtues that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives that we're focusing on in these series, uh, in this series. Uh, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. It's these nine characteristics. Uh, If you didn't get the study material and activity packet last week, if you weren't here, uh, we have for every family at Northwest, families of any age of size one uh, to, what's the largest size? From, from size one to Carter's. We've got a packet for all of you. Um, go get a packet for your family. It's got activities for all ages, for, for couples, for singles, for uh, families, for kids, young kids, teens. Uh, go get a packet. Uh, we've put those together. It's got things that you can be talking about at home, activities you can do, ways that you can recognize in your family what the Holy Spirit is doing and producing in your lives. And we're going to celebrate the Holy Spirit Uh, We also have ways that you can do that with the church family. Many of you have in the the row in front of you where we normally have our guest card. Uh, We have Fruit of the Spirit cards where you can write to someone, Dear so-and-so, use their name, not so-and-so, I've seen the Spirit in you through the fruit of, and then tell them how you've seen the fruit in them uh, right now, and especially focusing on each week's fruit Uh, to tell them that you've seen that in them as we celebrate the Spirit in our church family. And I've also invited you each week to send me pictures uh, that that for you represent what that week's fruit is, to kind of of include in uh, each week's PowerPoint as visual demonstrations of the fruit of the Spirit in our community. And it's been fun getting some of these pictures and input from people about the series this week. Uh, there's been some fun images that show what brings us joy. Here's two. Uh, these are, I think, Bill, uh, Bill and Ruby Odin's puppies. Um, and it brings everyone joy. Some people, when they see the puppies, Nathan said, the only thing that brings me joy about that photo is that they're outside. 
Well, that's, some people just aren't happy and loving, but that's okay. <laughs> and then over here, uh, you've got Mark and Jana. Uh, they're joyfully standing with the only remaining starter of last year's <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder roster. So that's exciting for the Thunder uh, that they're there. In fact, Mark may be starting some of the games this season for the Thunder. It's been fun. Uh, one of my favorite comments this week, though, came from Jackie Bray. Jackie reminded me that the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the fruit, the virtues, the characteristics of the Spirit are not like the gifts of the Spirit, because the gifts of the Spirit are given to people in different ways. So some are called to be prophets and others teachers. Some are, uh, are given the gifts of giving and generosity and others the gift uh, of teaching. There's all these different gifts. And some you have in abundance and some you have less of. But the fruit of the Spirit is not like that. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is produced in ever-increasing amounts in every single one of us who has the Holy Spirit living within us. So that the fruit of the Spirit is always increasing in all of these. So that you can't say of the fruit of the Spirit, you have joy. Uh, joy is not my thing. You don't say about the, the characteristics and virtue uh, of the Spirit, uh, yeah, some people get that kindness thing. Uh, I'm more of a love kind of a person. The kindness is blech. But the fruit of the Spirit, when God dwells in you, His characteristics and virtues are all transformationally uh, contagious within you, so that you're constantly being grown up. And the Spirit becomes, and I love the image that she shared with me, uh, like a bouquet of flowers, to where each one of the fruit in its own way contributes to the variety of the bouquet and enriches you and grows you up towards maturity in Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit into the image of God. A beautiful picture. You know, today we're focusing, last week we focused on love and how we get God's love placed within us, but this week we're focusing on how the Holy Spirit produces joy in our lives. Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God fills us with joy and peace and hope through the power of the Spirit. First Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 6-9 through nine says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You listen to what Peter's writing here, and he talks about how you're suffering grief from all kinds of trials. He talks about how uh, that this suffering comes to prove the genuineness of your faith. Your faith is real when you're able to have a faith that, that survives tough times and difficult days. Though we have not seen Jesus, we love him. Peter writes, and even though you do not see him, you believe in him, and this belief and this knowledge of Jesus fills you with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
You're filled with it. So even though you're suffering many trials, your faith becomes real because of your belief in this Jesus and you're filled with this inexpressible joy because you're receiving the end result of your faith, which is salvation of your soul. You get saved. And so even though, and here's kind of how Peter is working through this, even though you are suffering in many ways and all kinds of trials, and every one of us can insert our own trials uh, past, present, or ones we anticipate in the future into this. We've all got our own stuff that we deal with in our difficult times. And Peter says, when you struggle, realize that there's a connection between suffering and struggling and trials and joy. And, and the New Testament does this on several occasions. It actually connects difficult times with joy. And that's different from how we normally think about joy. And, and in a minute, we're going to get into why. But for the New Testament, for the gospel, for the first Christians, there is a connection between suffering, real faith, and joy. But before we get to that connection, we've got to talk about the difference between happiness and joy. Because a lot of times what we do, uh, and, and this is partly just the way that we use joy in the language today, in the common way of speaking about things, uh, is that happiness is like, yay, I'm smiling, and joy is like happiness uh, times two, or maybe happiness squared, depending on how expressive you are. Uh, me and Peter, not that expressive. Happiness and joy look about the same, right, Peter? Yeah. yeah. Um, but for some people, their joy is like, hey, just tone it down a little bit. Just come back down to happy, okay? Uh, at least until I've had my third cup of coffee. Um, but in the Bible, happiness and joy are functioning differently. They're about a different kind of, uh, of not emotion, but it, the happiness is an emotion. Happiness is your response to circumstances. Uh, joy is something that the Spirit places deep within you that becomes a virtue and a characteristic rooted in God that is core to who you are and how you function. And it especially seems to have a connection to how you deal with tough times and bad days. Happiness is really just for good days. And let me show you what I mean. We start to figure this out when we teach children uh, songs. So songs for children... Uh, I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Where? Got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. How long, Alton? For how long? Forever. The joy is in my heart to stay forever. Joy is not circumstantial. It is not fleeting. It is not temporary. And look at the other parts of the songs that talk about the other things that the Spirit, that God is planting in our hearts, uh, the joy that's in our hearts. The joy that, not joy, what's the other one? The peace that passes understanding and the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. Right? You guys know that verse? All together here, the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. And we'll leave the song leading to Nathan. But, yeah, <laughs> joy, peace, and love are the core stuff of God that his spirit places deep within us that undergirds all the other stuff. It's not the short-term reactive stuff. But we even teach kids how to understand happiness. 
We teach them a very different, uh, but somewhat similar song. Uh, if you're happy and you know it. Oh, we've got the rhythm, guys. Yeah. Some people think we don't have drums in a band for theological reasons. It's just skill. Um, if you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it, then your your face will surely show it. Make sure I've got it. Yeah. This is happiness. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. I'm not expressive enough. I had to import my expression for this lesson. But let's imagine for a moment that you're Alexander and you are in the absolute middle of the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And we've all had days that are like this, like poor Alexander, where everything has gone wrong. And if you haven't read this, it's a great piece of American literature. Go out and get it. It's at your local bookstore and all libraries starting for first grade and up. Alexander in the terrible, horrible, very whatever day. He's having a bad day. And you go to Alexander and you ask him, Alexander, do you still have the peace that passes understanding, the wonderful love of the blessed Redeemer, and the joy, 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 joy down in your heart? And Alexander, if he's a Christian who has the Spirit of God within him, would say, yes, I do have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart because there's no bad day that can take joy away. It is rooted deep within me. It's core to who God is, and it becomes core to who I am as someone who carries his Spirit in me. But if you go up to uh, Alexander on a different day and you ask him, or on, well, on the same bad day, I'm going to stick with my illustration here. If you go up to him on another very bad day and you ask Alexander, Alexander, are you in fact happy and you know it? If you are Alexander, then clap your hands. You know what Alexander would say? I'm not happy. I'm having a terrible, very bad, no good, awful kind of day. Well, but Alexander, if you're happy and you know it, your face should surely show it. And he would say, my face is showing you exactly what it should be showing you. I'm having a bad day. Because happiness is based on circumstances. And if you're having a bad day, you, your happiness goes away. And, and that's because you are either not happy and you do know it, or, and this is less likely, maybe you are happy and you don't know it. That one's a little confusing, but whatever it is, you're having a bad day. And you know that you're having a bad day, and you don't want to just walk around looking like this when you're having a bad day. That's happiness. And it's different because happiness isn't heart deep. Happiness is based on circumstances. And another way of thinking about this is if you've ever been on a cruise ship or a large, large boat, think a huge boat, and a three-foot wave crashes into that cruise ship, you know what everyone on the boat does? Stands there. That boat's not moving. That three-foot wave doesn't touch a cruise ship. And everyone keeps going on and having a just fine time on the cruise ship, because the cruise ship is joy. It's the stuff that is core, and it's deep down, and it's unshakable by circumstances. Three-foot waves don't bother joy. But you get in a canoe, and you start rowing, 
And if you're with your spouse, you're rowing and arguing, I said left. <laughs> and you're not happy, okay, but maybe you still have joy, but you're rowing in the canoe, and the three-foot wave comes, you're going to get wet. Because the three-foot wave turns over the boat of happiness. Happiness gets dumped in the water every single time. It's based on circumstances, and that is completely okay. That's what happiness is supposed to do, and that's what joy is supposed to do. The problem for Christians is that we tend to get them mixed up all the time. And when we do that, it, it causes problems, especially on the terrible, very bad, no good, awful days. And you know it because of the things that we say to each other when we're having really bad days like poor Alexander. And so you walk up to someone and you might say to them, listen, I know you just lost your job, but cheer up. Are you having a bad day? Yeah. Are you happy? No. But when we think that happiness and joy are the same things, we get the idea that Christians should be happy all the time. Listen, I know you lost your job, but I need you to put on your Christian face. What? Yeah, put on your Christian face. I don't feel happy. Well, Christians got to feel joy and happiness all the time. So you lost your job, put on your Jesus face. Oh, well, I know you're going through a broken relationship, but just think about it. There's plenty of other people out there. You'll find someone better. Thanks. That's helpful. I know you've lost somebody you love, but you should be strong and cheer up and put on your Christian face. That doesn't feel right. Listen, I know it's been a terrible time for you, but hasn't it been long enough? Isn't it time for your Christian happiness face to just come back? It's not Christian. The Holy Spirit does not put happiness in your soul. Happiness is not a fruit of the Spirit. When you're going through a tough time, you don't have to be happy. Go read the Psalms. There's a lot of them that are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude, but those are for days when you have something to be thankful for. Go to the other ones, and the ones that are laments. There's more laments than any other genre of psalm in the whole book, which is the songbook and the prayer book of ancient Israel, God's people. 40% of them are laments. Things are bad and they're awful and I feel bad about them and I want them to change and be different. God, I think you're in charge, so I'm telling you, you're the only one I can complain to. There's an incredible thing that happens at the end of laments. No one who's lamenting has this face on. I mean, I guess it's like this without hearts. I don't, but there's, they're miserable. They're lamenting. They're crying out to God, God, things are awful, change them. The Lament Psalms almost all end with several verses of praise. And here's why. It's because when you trust a God that's big enough and strong enough to take your stuff to, what you'll find is that you've got enough joy that even on tough days that joy bubbles up. And it doesn't mean you've got to cheer up, but it means that the confidence and the joy and the hope that the Spirit places within you sustains you even in the dark times where you're not happy, but you're still filled with joy. That's God stuff. That's God stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that comes through in James chapter 1 that says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking 
anything. So now James is saying something that Peter said earlier. We've now got two apostles that are telling you that there's a connection between suffering and joy. Not suffering and happiness, suffering and joy. And it works something like this. And I've got to, I've got to tell you a little bit about my life and story right now because when I think about the kind of joy that gets you through suffering, I immediately start thinking about my mom. I just do. And there's several others here in this room today that have been through years of suffering and who are going through difficult times right now. And, and these people also show this kind of suffering uh, and joy is what exudes in their lives while they're going through tough times. Not because they're happy, but because they've got this stuff that's deep down that comes out. And I don't know if James knew when, when he wrote this that he was writing about my mom, but he was. He was writing about my mom. See, my mom was a woman who was full of the Spirit. It produced incredible joy in her. Uh, when she was healthy, she exuded fun, adventure, humor, creativity, happiness. Uh, I mean, she got mad. Like, she's not a saint. I mean, she is now, but she wasn't always perfect. Um, there were times that she got onto me when it was Kirk's fault. And this is recorded, and the whole world needs to know. Her sense of justice was sometimes off. But mom did. She exuded happiness, creativity, color, joy. But mom also had multiple sclerosis. Now, while I was a teenager, she lost her ability to do uh, almost everything she loved doing. Uh, her ability to, to do art, to be at our stuff, to be involved, to be active, to be playing. Um, lost her ability to do all of that. Uh, and spent the last couple of years uh, before she passed away in nursing homes. And people would go visit her to encourage my mom. And then they would come tell me uh, at church the next, the next week, I went and visited your mom to help her feel better. And man, you know what? When I left, I felt so much better. And there's so many people in this church that when I go to visit them and encourage them, I leave feeling so much better. And here's why, in spite of their suffering and her circumstances, that did not destroy the joy that the Holy Spirit placed in my mom. Because the joy was too big for the waves of her disease and circumstances to rock that boat. And we all know people in our lives that God has planted in them so much joy that when we go to encourage them, we leave encouraged. And the reason that we leave encouraged is because we are shocked by the joy in a person who has lost so much. And it helps us to gain perspective about our life and what God is doing in us. And it makes us realize, man, I'm just in a canoe. What am I complaining about? God, I need more of that joy that grows up this ship that's, that's indestructible and impervious to big waves. And that's what God does by placing joy within us. Joy that through trials of many kinds tested faith, produced perseverance, and makes faith complete. There's a very real connection, not just in Scripture, but in our real lives between suffering, real faith, and joy. Not happiness, joy. I want to give you one more illustration, this time from the Gospel of John. John 16, 21. 
uh, says this, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Wednesday night, I jokingly asked Amanda if she needed me to teach the women's class. And she said, why don't you come in? You can talk about uh, childbearing. And I said, no, I'm saving that for Sunday. Here we go, guys. And it was not my idea. The Bible did it first. He says, listen, you want to understand what, what joy is like? Do you want to understand what joy is like? Go into a maternity ward. And men, if you were there in the room when your children were being born, let me ask you, did you look down at your wife who you were so proud of and see her looking up at you? <laughs> Just glad you're here. Glad I'm here. If she was, she was on the really good drugs. They didn't have those when the New Testament was written, so they didn't know that that was an option. What John is envisioning here is that, that women, when they're, they're giving birth to their child, are not happy. And they're not making happy faces. But a crazy thing happens. If you go talk to a woman about the day that her child was born, sometime later, they get excited while they're telling the stories. And not all. I know that some of this it doesn't always go well and sometimes there's trauma. But generally speaking, when you talk to a woman, it becomes a day where they tell you about one of the most joyful days of their life. Because a child comes into the world through great suffering. Something real happens. And the result is joy. That's the lived out experience of faith that the Spirit produces in those with whom it dwells. Is that we, through the suffering of this world, are, are bringing forth the kingdom through our very lives. And sometimes it hurts, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, and sometimes we find ourselves uh, ridiculed and dealing with trials of every kind. Physical trials, relational trials, jobs in our careers and in our families, all kinds of trials. But here's the thing. Through those trials, the joy that is within us is producing perseverance that is pulling us towards maturity and faith. A faith in the salvation that is to come so that it's joy that allows us to be sustained in our faith through all circumstances, whether we're happy or whether we're sad. It doesn't touch the cruise ship of joy. The waves just aren't big enough. That's the gift of the fruit of joy in the lives of those who have the Spirit within them. And church, let me tell you this week, as you talk to your families about joy, stay away from happiness, because happiness is good, but joy is the stuff that sustains us in all seasons and in all days, the best and the worst. And so you're going to have to talk a little bit about how you found joy in tough times in your families and in your homes and in your lunch groups and your life groups. If you're going to be talking about joy, because it's not happiness plus. It's a deep core characteristic of God impressed on our hearts that gets us through everything with confidence that what is coming makes worth what we're going through now. Because the kingdom is good. The kingdom is coming the kingdom is God's, and he invites us to join it. And if you've never joined that kingdom, why not today? If you have that or any other need, come forward as we stand and sing.